0: This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal.
1: Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray,
0: And I'm Andrew McKay.
1: And we're back with another Film Friday.
0: Yes we are. Welcome everybody. Another
1: week is coming past and this Friday we are discussing none other than the cult classic Donnie Darko. Yeah yeah I love this movie. (laughs) Yes uh, it's a 2001 um actually Director's Cut came out in 2004 which is Well, actually, some people, I don't know, it's kind of 50-50 split. Some people really love the theatrical because it doesn't give you all the explanations, kind of leaves it up to your imagination, while the director's cut sheds some light on a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes here. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, this is a very fun movie. We both, we've we've seen this movie so many times, right? Yeah,
0: definitely. And it's fun because it's accessible to more people than maybe the other three movies that we have talked about so far in our Film Fridays. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a suitable for all ages type of movie. I wouldn't say all ages, but uh, more so than hereditary, <laughs> let's just say that.
1: Yeah, um, it's not going to be nightmares, Yeah, I would hope.
0: more just fascinating, you know, just genuinely fascinating, the, the themes that I touch on in this
1: fascinating, movie. Fascinating, confusing. Confusing, for sure. To some degree, for yeah. some people, especially the first time you see it. Um. Yeah, there's always new things I kind of pick up on, like little subtle nuances. This
0: is one of those movies, you have to watch it more than one, two, three four times because there is yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's one of those ones where it, the sequences are weird right so you it have is. to you pick up on so much more
1: definitely, definitely yeah so yeah we're going to start off with a little brief synopsis here sure. um the director was obviously it was Richard Kelly who wrote and directed this film right he was very well he wasn't stubborn but he was very young when he wrote this film he wrote it in 28 days um the story takes place over 28 days and it was actually filmed over 28 days which is very interesting That's typical crazy. typical of low budget films mm-hmm. but this was one of his first works that was kind of like his introduction into hollywood which is kind of cool and like he i was reading some articles of what he had to say about the piece and everything and the the film itself and how he like he wrote it and then a lot of people were initially impressed in in the director's spheres of hollywood and all this stuff And he got introduced to a lot of big wigs including like ben stiller and a lot of people okay and everyone loved it but no one really wanted to touch it because they thought it would be too big of a budget and it was very Hmm. ambitious story right and so it initially died off and then jason schwartzman kind of took up interest in it after about a year of it being dead and he actually wanted to play donnie but then uh, scheduling and all this stuff kind of came into play, and essentially, they got um, Jake Gyllenhaal to do the role, and right. they got Barry, Drew Barrymore to fund most of it, or she <laughs> she found the backers for
0: it. Right, she was kind of the name behind the, behind it. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of like really fun little weird trivia and a lot of, like, um, synchronicities that occur with this yeah. movie, which I thought was really fun. Definitely. And there's so many stars, too. Like, there's... Um, stars and Maggie Gyllenhaal. stars,
0: for sure. Yeah, like, right? Seth
1: Rogen, it was his first film. Yeah. First, like, major motion
0: picture. Obviously, it was in Freaks and Geeks Freaks before that. Freaks and Geeks, that. Yeah
1: um, who else we got here? You
0: know, I recognize the other sort of like bully Swayze. or whatever. Oh, of course. Can't forget Schwazy, And of course that just makes me want to, this makes me think of a uh, mm-hmm. trailer park boys and the good old, the Swayze express. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, interesting cast really. When Very. you think about it, when you, when you, when you, if you did like a police lineup of who's in this movie, it's actually kind of funny, right? There's
1: a lot of names. Yeah. yeah. Um, we get Beth Grant, who plays Kitty Farmer. Oh my gosh. Um,
0: least favorite character and most favorite character at the I same think time. She's, like, <laughs> I think she's
1: my favorite. Like, she's, she's
0: so, so... <laughs> funny. Oh my gosh.
1: It's so good. We'll get um, into that in
0: a sec, but like.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So lots of big names, lots of, uh, lots of memorable characters. We're, we'll get into all of our like favorite parts about each character and everything, but just, um, for people who haven't seen the show, honestly, just go watch it before you even listen to this. Well, definitely, because
0: it's obviously spoilers abound, because that's yes. that's what this, this episode is about, these yes. film Fridays. We just get right into them.
1: You've been warned. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen the film, whatever, brief synopsis, essentially this takes place in the year 1988. Mm-hmm. Eight comes into play a lot for this film, uh, but it's, yeah, during the presidential election, um, there's a teenager, his name is Donnie Darko, and he is known for sleepwalking, and essentially he one night sleepwalks Out of his house and sees this giant demonic-looking rabbit. This is I'm just paraphrasing from the Google synopsis. um, Who basically tells him the world is going to end in 28 days. Yes, a lunar cycle. Right. Um, When Donnie returns home, he finds that the jet, a jet engine, a mysterious unknown jet engine belonging to a plane that seemingly has vanished into thin air. Has crashed into his bedroom. Um, luckily, he's been saved. Right. Huh. So, the question that they end this little synopsis off with, which is very telling, I really like this, says Is Donnie living in a parallel universe? Is he suffering from mental illness or will the world really end? Right. So, so I like that. That's, yeah, it's
0: left, and, and you're left, uh, yeah, you're given this kind of question right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sets the stage for how bizarre this all is. Exactly. From, from Donnie's perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... It, it, there's elements of it that remind me of movies almost like, um, oh, the title is escaping me, but with Russell Crowe, where he, like A Beautiful Mind, where he's schizophrenic oh, and things yeah. like that. You, like where there's definitely elements of that where you think that he very well could just His have a mental This mental illness. instability
1: that kind of leads to a sort of... Um, he's not a
0: reliable reference point. Potentially. Mm-hmm. But you find out very quickly that obviously what's happening is there's re- like the the grandma death and the very tangible real things that start to fall into place for Donnie.
1: See yeah, they seem to be falling into place from disparate corners of his world, of his reality, and in very strange ways. And so a lot of people, including like the writers, they've kind of um gone on to reveal that basically the majority of this plot takes place in what's known as a tangent universe. And it's essentially created by this strange rift of, like, an opening, like, a a, a portal that's opened. And that's where, essentially, the plane engine comes from. Right. um, That belongs to the plane that Samantha and his mother, Rose, are actually traveling on at the end of the film, right? Right. There's that turbulence, and then they start going down, and it's this whole, um, yeah, it's like the end of the world is actually happening. Right. Um, But yeah, so they basically say that this takes place in a tangent universe, which goes far to explain a lot of the strange behaviors you see in the film displayed by various characters. One most notably that comes very early on is Drew Barrymore's character where she's in the classroom and you get Gretchen Ross arriving, the new kid in town, and she has this very strange way of getting her to choose a spot to sit. And even just that whole... The whole back and forth where Gretchen says she's like, "Oh, well, I'm new here, but they put me in the wrong English class." Why would you say that? Like, you know, what I mean, that seems weird. Like, she's just trying to rub it off me, like, "Oh, like I'm not supposed to be here." Like, that to me is kind of telling. Well, right? it's
0: almost like she said it that like she was had, had to have a reason because Drew Barrymore's tone was very much like, "Can we help you? Like, yeah. what are you doing here?" Which is also very much like a strange interaction before she's even like, "Sit next to the boy you think is cutest." Mm -hmm. Right. And which is just so strange. Which is
1: very unprofessional and very, yeah, strange, right? It's not even like, yeah, it's like... Because she's meant, the way that I interpret it's like Gretchen is meant to sit beside Donnie because that has to come into play for him to actually do the things he needs to do to correct the sort of impending doom of the two universes collapsing in on one another.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So Frank tells him that, you know, 28 days, X amount of hours, minutes, and seconds and and the world's going to end. He doesn't really believe him right away. He's not sure of himself, right? Yeah. And then he's sitting and he, he's go, he's going to therapy. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting. He and we. This is the recurring scene throughout the movie where he's sitting with his therapist. I can't remember mm-hmm. her name. Uh, Doctor Car- Thurman. Doctor Thurman. And it, she really provokes it right? Like she, she like going the, the hip, the hypnosis that he does, I guess a little bit later on, Mm -hmm. she really brings it out. I mean, she obviously has a big major role in him. The little, the little breadcrumb trail of him. She she doesn't know that she's a part of it though.
1: Well, she does. That's where you kind of are questioning, right? Like, are these people... Basically, like, pawns from some sort of higher spectral entity or power that's kind of ultimately pulling the strings of this whole plot, right? Of this whole scenario where Donnie's going down this series of events where ultimately either he chooses to die in the end and correct this sort of impending collapse, Right. or if he doesn't, then essentially the world will end, is kind of the whole premise. But you're right, though. She has such a big part, Dr. Thurman, in sort of unveiling this sort of unsubconscious um, reality for mm-hmm. him. And maybe even further solidifying it, because you do get this sort of divide between the the real world, the living world, and then the dream world that Donnie goes to quite a bit. Yeah. And um, she tries to explain that to his parents. It's like, oh, he's increasingly detached from reality. But it's like, is he, though? Or is he actually getting back to... Or is he he getting notes or, like, little, um, I don't even know, like, little bits coming from the other side that's kind of directing him and telling him how how to go about it
0: totally and i guess what she means by too it's like she doesn't it's their reality the reality that he's living is one in which he's essentially a chosen one in a way
1: he's the living recipient is how they refer to him and so he
0: can see things other people can't see Right, and and that is these, this perception of the what he ends up describing when he's having those conversations with his science teacher as like God's path,
1: God's channel, God's
0: God's channel,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, and it's and there's no religious context to this at all. It's no. literally just like implying that like a predetermined yes time frame, like a predetermined history, exactly. in, in a sense, right? And we get those. The visualization of that, which I think is so interesting with the tunnels tunnels coming out of people's chests and stomachs, Mm -hmm. that's almost like these, I mean, like, it's them, right? It's it's them. It's Mm -hmm. like this... uh, uh,
1: And it only goes so far, right? Because it almost seems as if there is the potential where they could maybe go left or right at this particular point. Right. But they don't. And just to add to that thought, the idea that it is all predetermined and that everything that he's doing is, yeah, exactly, laid out, the breadcrumbs are all there for him to kind of pick up as he goes. Um, but yeah, what's really telling about that exact scene where he starts to see the visualization of it, it basically beckons to him and it, it has that big, like literally it's like a finger being like, come with me, beckons him forward. He follows it. And what does he uncover? The gun. So that again is a huge piece to the puzzle, right. Of what eventually he needs to do Yeah. in order to, um, yeah, kind of, uh, correct the imbalance or however like the thing for me that's weird to think about is like how did this actually come into play in the beginning like why him why then why then and there and then we also get reference from eddie his father that this has actually happened before
0: right right? with somebody that they knew with someone that his
1: parents yeah exactly his parents knew and he basically says after this whole thing happens and they're laying on the bed together in the hotel room Um, Him and his wife Rose and they're just like kind of like watching the election stuff the, the updates and stuff and then he just says like that could have been Donnie essentially like remember that guy from high school he died right before grad and yeah. he said he was doomed. Yeah. Like that is so crazy to me. So like Donnie isn't like special per se, but he is right. elevated to a, a certain extent.
0: But then uh, that that makes you question whether or not it's like assuming that was like the same circumstance or if that was just a coincidence, like the yeah. guy said he was doomed or whatever. Obviously the world didn't end for that. So after that, but happened, the
1: world right? didn't end because he died. Because right? he
0: cycled back around yes. the same way Donnie did. Exactly. Like, doesn't die the first time, figures it out, goes yes. back, corrects it. Exactly. Then, oh, that's interesting. So
1: then it's, like, just, like, a, a loop. And, and that's
0: then... that's another little weird tidbit, too, where it's, like, these... Everyone involved in this story and this plot line, like, is aware, but not. It's like deja mm-hmm. vu. It's mm-hmm. like they have this, this feeling, this sense that... They yes. th- that this has happened to them before, that they've seen yeah. this the f- something before, that this is all right.
1: Especially the very end scene, right? Of course, that's, that's where the, right. we see all that. Right.
0: right, and you get it from. And the the most telling one is the doctor when she sits up in bed. Oh and yes, she's like looking around as if like she can feel like Donnie just got crushed by a jet engine. Definitely, as if she had already out with all this before
1: yeah she's already in tune with it and obviously frank too is very telling because he he puts his hand up to his eye and that's like one of the very last things you see right in that whole mad world sort of um we've got some questions
0: we want to ask each other i think we want to get into some of like the character stuff and like a few of those types of things oh
1: yeah of course there's so much to get off yeah (laughs) we kind of just went right into this whole i know like tangent universe but i just on that note because i don't i'm I'm not really fully finished with that one
0: keep going keep going but
1: they're it's very interesting, right? Because what we've been saying is essentially, yeah, c- characters throughout this film say and do things that do not make sense in the normal, in our normal world that push Donnie to do what he needs to do, like we've said. Um, we see that even or another really telling one is with his science teacher, when his science teacher, he's having that little conversation, a little back and forth, and then he just hand he has the book right in his hand, yeah. the time travel book. And he just gives it to him. And that, to me, is very weird. It's like, first of all, why would you have that? Why would you be laying out that breadcrumb, that trail of grandma death and all this stuff for Donnie? It's like, it's all so intentional. Yeah. But anyways, that's just a side note. But again, like, there, this is a quote here. It says, One question that Donnie's role as the living receiver presents is whether or not it's possible that he is actually from the primary universe. There are some mythologies that equate sleepwalking with passing through or traveling to other dimensions. Yeah. Um, so like, just to discuss that, like, what what are your thoughts on that statement?
0: That's, I find that absolutely fascinating. And the reason is because we know so little about sleep. That's one of the, I mean, we know very little about the human brain still, but that's one of the major frontiers of the, of us that we do not understand. And that, that is totally fascinating to me. I think like, I don't even know. There's a lot to unpack with that. I'm not sure. Well, even
1: just that first part there where it's like his role as a living receiver um, presents the question of whether or not it's possible he is from the primary universe. For me, that's kind of redundant because without him being in the primary universe, there would be no function for him in the tangent universe because he wouldn't exist like, you know what I mean? Like, there would be no... And then there would, again, you can reverse that and say there's no function for him in the primary universe then, because he is the person that ultimately corrects this sort of imbalance that leads to this impending doom. Right. Right. So that to me is kind of like a, I just came across that as in one of the articles I was reading through, and I was like, I I think that's a weird question to pose a little bit, but you I want to throw it out to you just to see.
0: Well, it's actually I, I need to go back and reread um, Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time, and they reference that book in this movie. He mm-hmm. like busts it out when he's trying yeah. to explain time travel, the, the science teacher to uh, Donny. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and that's
1: where you get the reference to the Delorean, exactly, oh, which yeah, is the 88 epic. miles per hour, which 88 yep. eight, again comes oh, up turn all the it time. On its
0: side and what do you get?
1: Should be infinity symbol. You Get the
0: infinity symbol. But which
1: is also interesting too, because right before we sat down to record this episode, Andrew went on audio boom, pulled up our numbers for like our all time whatever listens. Yeah. And it was what, Andrew? We
0: were at eight, 88,800.
1: That's so, so effing like, weird. Tri-
0: triple Eight. And That's so
1: strange. Yeah.
0: It's kind of serendipitous. We're giving Johnny Darko. Place,
1: 1988, all these references to 88 yeah. being like the time traveling number. It's like the magic number.
0: Total random side note, but do you think that has anything to do with <laughs> the reason behind the title of 28 Days Later? Lunar cycle. Twenty eight days later. Oh, that's Horror a good movie? question. I, I don't think they really played that into that plot, but anyway, just. I feel like you could definitely about... go down that road a little yeah, bit with that yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Um, can you re ask me that question that you just asked me again? Because I, I, I feel like I.
1: Okay, so essentially, what they're trying to say is that it's questionable whether or not Donnie exists. Because there's these two worlds, right? There's yeah. the primary universe, and there's this tangent universe that kind of sprouts up as a result of some sort of weird wormhole that was opened up. That the that plane engine falls through. Right. So essentially when that happens, this tangent universe is kind of like either it already existed, always existed, and it's just butted up against this primary universe in some mm-hmm. way or shape or form. Okay. But essentially what they were trying to say is that it presents this question. His role as a living receiver presents the question of whether or not he is actually from the primary universe.
0: Right. Or if he's just sort of something that's been interjected as a... As a... As as a
1: but that doesn't make any sense As a to
0: vessel for correcting time or something, Well, right? exactly,
1: right? Like, that doesn't make sense to me because they're so... It's very obvious, right? Because by the end of the movie, we're back to the primary universe. And obviously, his entire family's in mourning of him. And he's gone. He's dead. It's not like he never existed. Right. It's not like everyone's living their, their happy little lives. And it's just a family of four instead yeah. of a family of five, right. you know? So that, to me, was just kind of like... I was like, what? Like, people actually kind of think that or argue that? I well, just thought it was weird.
0: Yeah. And, like, what I was going to say before there, like, it's... The, like the, what is the primary universe? It's like their primary universe is that subjective universe that his family is existing in, right? Yeah. It's like it, this, this brings up the question to me of like, cause this is almost like um Stranger Things where it's like literally like black and white. There's two universes. You're given an upside down and the other side of it, right? Where I don't think like, they're
1: that black and white with this though.
0: Well, maybe not quite so much, but it begs the question because like when I think of interdimensionality and things like that, we've talked about this before with like the layers where it's almost like an infinite, like the pages of yeah, the book. Yeah, exactly. So- it's not necessarily about correcting having one primary like right like one primary universe where, where right. things are happening in one way that the way original. and it has to stay that way in that universe because it will have a ripple effect in all the other ones mm-hmm. right we're presented with like it's it's a, excuse me a little bit more simplistic here i Definitely, guess yeah. like we're you know it's what not I mean? like, it's
1: not like an inception where it's like there's multiple folds in on itself kind of thing so to speak you know where
0: Like this doesn't explain, for example, like things like when we're talking interdimensionality and like monsters and like where things come from, like we carken back to Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. and like things are coming out of a portal and like, okay, like well, where, what world it. is that coming from? You know what I mean? Exactly. What world is Donnie walking into if, when he's sleepwalking and dreaming if we believe that you can cross that ethereal mm-hmm. plane mm-hmm. when you are asleep?
1: I would say that it's not black and white. It's not either or, one or the other. But the way I see it, almost like um, the replication of cells, where because of this one action occurring, there was a duplication of sorts, and so there's this, these, this again, like a folding out of the picture book or something oh, where okay.
0: yeah, yeah. you've
1: created this thing, and then there's you're simultaneously existing in that, right? But you need to do something within that world to cor- correct what's going on in your actual primary universe, which isn't to say that there's just the one where I feel like we're getting really, really like into this, but like, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. It's just the idea that even though there is that primary doesn't mean that there isn't secondary, tertiary, quaternary, all this kind of stuff. you know, like there could be, there could be a, um, a tertiary reality where it's like basically the same, but everyone has blue skin or something or whatever.
0: You know what I mean? No, And that's what I'm saying though. And that's, that, 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 that's like a, that doesn't seem to match up with the idea of there being like this, what does he call it again? The like predetermined the God, God's the, channel. Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. if like, because ha, there would have to be like the same butterfly effect through all these dimensions. If you believe in like, I, I'm pretty that's sure that's what true, Stephen, Hawking yeah. gets, Stephen Hawking gets into in that book. Like he talks about a whole bunch of different things, but that was one of the aspects of dealing with time travel is that, it's not just... A, or no, not time travel, but interdimensionality. That it is, like, described as multiple layers is one version of the...
1: Multiple layers or even, like... I like to think of it as, like, um, bubbles.
0: Or so, that, too. Yeah, So it's totally, like totally. it's like you
1: get this big coagulation of foam on the top of your coffee and each one of those bubbles that's in that foam represents a different universe. Yeah, absolutely. Where they're all rubbing up against each other and they're all... There's, like, multiple bubbles, like, all... Coexisting around each other simultaneously, well, and, and then there's that, ones that are way
0: further and away. And that's like when Donnie has the knife, and he's in the bathroom, and he's <clears> and he's <throat> um trying to break through that plane. Right? He's banging on the glass, except yeah. it's like the bubble. It's like the woom whoa woom, woom, woom like it's reflecting back at him and jiggling around because it's this weird barrier into the another
1: that there's some aspect of
0: time. But there's like there is there. That's another thing I want to get into in a second too. It's like there's clearly an omnipotent energy here. There's like a god or something. There's, that's what
1: they're definitely trying to convey, I think, for sure. Right. And the way that he's trying to, yeah, uncover that slowly, right? Like yeah. how he says, yeah, the gods channel and everything, right? That I, I, yeah, you're definitely right. You're on, you're on the right track there. I think there's, um, I think that's just one way of looking at it. And I think if we had actually, I tried to get onto that Narco.org. Okay. It's like this really weird sort of cryptic website. Yeah my flash player is out of date, so I couldn't actually access it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, essentially on that website, there's a lot of resources that kind of go in further into that and the whole gram of death and the philosophy of time travel. Right. Okay. And unfortunately, um, for this particular conversation, that's kind of as far as I can go. That's okay. But if we do, if I do end up updating my Flash Player. If anyone else has an updated Flash Player and they want to just contribute on the forum and we can yeah, get this conversation going Yeah, let's get a conversation going. going. I mean,
0: we don't want these film episodes to be super duper long anyway. They're more just kind no. of a fun discussion. We're not going crazy in Okay,
1: it. so speaking of fun discussions, I wanted to get into the characters. Sure, yeah, let's do it. I wanted to discuss a few of the... <laughs> well, I just want to ask you, who do you think did it best? <laughs> Who did best in this film? Well, Who was the most entertaining? Who was the most effective? I think
0: the most entertaining was definitely Kitty Farmer, mm-hmm. uh, played by, I think we have it down here somewhere. Yeah, something Grant. Uh, Beth Grant. Beth Grant. Um, because she is just, just oh my god, the quintessential, like, nails on a chalkboard slash, like, you just want to hit her over the head with a golf club. Mm-hmm. But she's so hilarious, just so cringy conservative. And everybody, everyone, everyone in the world has met that person it's yep. been your friend's mom or a teacher at the school you were at
1: <sighs> oh man
0: like priceless guidance
1: counseling <laughs> priceless yeah it's
0: like a mr frond type character for sure
1: you know what i always think about now since because i've indulged in a few seasons of um oh my gosh it's uh, slipping mindy mindy project yeah, yeah yeah. and her character on the mindy project is priceless it is so depraved and so opposite to what she represents on this totally. particular film yeah and I just I, I, I just, I almost cry. I laugh so hard. Yeah. She just makes me just like, my heart melt. But I really thought she did a really good job too. I just, that one scene with the PTA meeting, when she makes that comment where she, <laughs> you, get, you get Rose Darko, who's just like scathing, just giving her just the dirtiest look. Like, you are just such an idiot. Yeah. And then she just <laughs> says like, do you even know who Graham Greene is? And then Kitty's like, i think we have all seen bonanza and then she sits down all proud and someone gives her a little pat on the shoulder that you can't even see their face but right. and then it's just like she just is complete buffoon yeah um yeah graham green the author is not graham green the actor but <laughs> or um, lauren
0: green or whoever the heck it was or yeah it was
1: more, is someone else but there is yeah. a graham green too and he did a great job on uh red green
0: yeah it was is that is that what his name is Oh. Graham Greene is C- his name. Sweet. Yeah. Anyway, we love that show. Yeah. Winston Rothschild, Sewage and Septic Sucking Services. No, favorite. that
1: wasn't his character. No,
0: no, no. Oh, no. I'm oh. just saying that's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as long as we're talking about favorite aspects of things here. Yeah, no, Kitty Farmer, she's priceless. Um, But if I honestly had to pick, like, like my the the star of the show is obviously Donnie. And, and Jake Gyllenhaal, over the years, he's really... Developed into one of my favorite actors. Yeah. I loved him in Jarhead. Lots of movies. He's mm-hmm. really great. Um, but yeah, this character as a starting role, like an earlier role in your career, was really, really cool. Really well done. And the scene, yeah. the, the, that first scene when he walks out sleepwalking and sees Frank across from his front yard, mm-hmm. uh, that's just so eerie. And I love that part. He kind of cocks his head to the side. He has that kind of creepy little childish smile on his mm-hmm. face when he's told the world's going to end. And he just says why that's (laughs) it and then it just cuts to the next scene yeah love that
1: yeah and like he even like I read into it more like they were given a lot of freedom with their characters and Jake Gyllenhaal he chose to revert to a little bit more of a vulnerable childlike state when he is in those sort of communications with Frank which I think is quite natural and then he also does it again we see a parallel when he's sitting down with Dr. Thurman and she puts him under Mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah that was quite uh, awkward Awkward scene there.
0: Yeah, putting <laughs> the yeah. hand in the pants and... Uh, that
1: was interesting, too, the way that she's trying to direct him, but he's fighting it. Yeah. Like, he has this... I don't even know. Like, what... Do you have anything to
0: comment on I, that scene? Or? I, well, the first time I saw the movie, right, like, I thought that he was almost, like, uh, faking it. Like, he wasn't actually hypnotized and he was just, like, being a dick <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean like being like just kind of like being whatever just the way he was in the okay. assembly with Jim Cunningham and stuff like that being really sarcastic because mm-hmm. he he's being f- just fed up with how he's feeling he's The Antichrist. but obviously oh man that, and that okay just, a, <laughs> just to jump to that really quick like that's probably my favorite scene one of my favorite scenes actually in the whole movie <laughs> in terms of an actual scene yeah uh, Just stands up and just tears him a new asshole, which is just awesome. It's Um, great. Yeah. And then, of course, everyone gives him a standing ovation.
1: And then, then Jim Cunningham's like, this is a child living in fear. But then what I thought was so ironic, like, he has this whole false binary philosophy on life. Yeah. And then what you see in the very end scene, right, is him sobbing. Yeah. And it's because he... Is living in a constant state of fear. Yeah. Just the 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 beautiful irony of that is just because yeah. he's he's constant fear of getting exposed. Right. For his... And
0: possibly just self-loathing too. Because of you know, course, you're just of a course. Horrible.
1: Anyone who has a self-portrait of themselves that's like, a life-size in your friggin', like, living room, you have some problems. You got some yourself. serious
0: problems, like, yeah. I don't even know what to yeah. say to that. The last normal person to have a portrait of themselves in their in their house was, like, yeah, like, the, the Duke of Richmond or something, like, way back in the day, okay? Like, <laughs> when it was normal <laughs> to, like, have a portrait of yourself, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the yeah, only I reason is... I brought that up is cause, just because we just watched Taboo and the Duke of Richmond gets stabbed in the face, so anyway. What? Yeah, Lorna Beau stabs him in the face.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah.
0: are totally covering that too for this uh, film Friday. It's not a film, but we recommend you guys go check out the uh, TV series Taboo because we'll definitely be covering it.
1: <laughs> One other character that I thought was quite interesting in this film, and I, I, I see her as a savant of some kind, um, and that would be Sharita because she uh, sees things. Mm-hmm. She's always there when right. there's very... Interesting telling things like, and especially, I love the one scene where Drew Barrymore gets fired and she goes out and she just yells, she's like, like yeah, so loud, yeah. and then she just looks, and then there's Sharita just yep. looking at her just and just chillin'. does it. She's like has her sandwich, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she sees a lot, and mm-hmm. then she has that one um, instance with Donnie where he takes off her um, ear muffs and says, right. "Everything is going to be okay for you one day." Yeah. and she just gets so weirded out, and so like shut I don't up. even. <laughs> yeah, shut up. She's always saying that. Yeah, but she just like I don't know. I find her to be a very interesting because she's not necessary, right? So what is her function? Is kind of my question.
0: Her, I think her function is to just to pose that question. What is her function? And that there's... It, that oh, to,
1: even to be yeah. like the, the... She's almost like the fly on the wall. Yeah, exactly. No one asks Rita what she thinks. No mm-hmm. one... We don't get anything no. from her. She's just there to witness it.
0: But you... you we, and you see her in the very we're end. We're given too. that... We know that she's important, though, because when that scene, like you just said, when mm-hmm. Donnie takes her earmuffs off and she drops her book, and it's, it's it, either she just has a huge crush on him and she's written his name on her book or whatever, or you know, she's sort of, she's, she's she's meant to be in the places she is throughout the, throughout Mm, the
1: film. Yeah. Right.
0: She's meant to be getting picked on by, by the, by Seth Rogen and the other guy and, and all these Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. and Even his
1: friends, right. His two friends make fun of her quite a bit when they're at the uh, bus stop and all that. Yeah. How she's just kind of this outsider always kind of peering in. I I thought she was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Another one of my favorites would have to be Eddie Darko. Oh, the dad. He is so classic. So good.
0: like, he reminds me of my dad a little bit, like, for some <laughs> yeah. things, like, uh, just, yeah, priceless, like, right? when they're in the uh, the little, in the principal's office or whatever, and he just, <laughs> he just can't help but laugh when he's like, I'll tell
1: you what he said, he told me to forcibly insert this exercise into my anus, <laughs>
0: Come on, you're teeing it up for everybody <laughs> to laugh when you say something like that.
1: He just tries to turn it into a cough.
0: Yeah. Like oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah.
1: And then even when he exits the, the principal's office, he's just fucking just laughing, laughing. Just laughing. Yeah. Oh,
0: so funny. Yeah, pretty good.
1: Oh, man. Well, okay. What else do we have to discuss here? Um, I wanted to go through maybe... We've covered a lot of my favorite scenes. Where, yeah. Um, the dinner table scene at the very beginning. That's very interesting. It's very... Um, pivotal sort of, like, establishing of characters kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One person we haven't really discussed too too much is Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, Elizabeth Darko, and how her role is kind of... It is sort of muted, but yep. she's very important, right? Because she is the girlfriend of Frank. Ultimately, he's, she's kind of the reason why the kind of um, he ends up going out to get more booze, I think, and then that's when they end up um, running over Gretchen, and then that's when the whole instance where he gets shot and all this right. stuff but her character in general like she's very representative of this new world way of thinking this um, liberal mindset that is juxtaposed by the the old of Middlesex like the Kitty farmers like the people that wouldn't vote for dukakis like the reagan era whatever uh, including her dad which her dad is very interesting because he toes the line between both yeah he associates and he identifies with a lot of what his son does and what his his generation is doing and he can laugh at it and Mm -hmm. be a part of it but at the same time he won't go for dukakis when he's going to the um, election polls
0: right right so
1: that's kind of interesting too but as far as like elizabeth goes like what's your take on her
0: I mean, yeah, she's, like you said, she's a pretty muted character. I feel like the the juxtapas- or the the contrast of, yeah, like the old, not old world, but yeah, conservative liberal values that they're presenting. Do you think that that's to, to try to contrast, like, the, I don't even know how to phrase this, like, the belief in time travel or not, almost, like, um, oh, you know yeah. what I mean, like, where it's like we have a paranormal element of this and then... The, the side of it trying to diagnose Donnie as schizophrenic or something like that. That's actually like Because I'm I trying to find a reason why there is like this political element because the movie is not political. It is not a political film. They're not trying to make a political statement per se. No.
1: It's um, funny you say that though because it's politics like it was very poorly received when it was first released because it was 2001 it was right after 9-11 happened so any sort of visualization of a plane crash crashing into a building was terrible everyone no one wanted to touch it like the only reason newcastle or new market picked it up was because they had just done memento and they thought they could get an audience as far as like the time travel part but literally kate the um the same guy was his name um that directed it Mm -hmm. richard kelly He said that basically at Sundance, um, he had people like literally like backing out of the room as soon as they saw any imagery of the plane crash. And then the second thing that turned people off was the image of Donnie holding a gun because um, Columbine had just happened like in the 90s. So there was a lot of things that kind of were negative and and could be perceived as political, but they weren't using it in those ways, I don't think, in the film. Like it wasn't the function of it. No. No. But you're right, though. Like that is kind of interesting the idea that. Yeah, that could actually really, because there's this this framework of thinking that's very staunch, realist, old world, you could say, yeah. equated with that. Right. And then there's this sort of more ethereal, imaginative, um, progressive type of mentality that yeah. maybe Donnie embodies and Grandma Death embodies, ironically, because she's so old, yeah. right? And all these ideas and philosophies of time travel and, and endless sort of possibilities in yeah. that regard.
0: Well, there always has to be a figure like a Grandma Death. Where it's like there's oh, should, there there have always been these people who have believed in this or studied this like the or Teslas whatever of the world or exactly, something. and or... they're left they're left as the markers for the people the 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 future like Don the Donnies yeah. to
1: pick up on to them. have
0: a, a you know a tangible thing to look back on to reference mm-hmm. this crazy woman standing in the middle of the road checking the mailbox every single day that whispers strange things in your ear when you
1: every living creature dies alone. That's an interesting statement. That's an interesting thing to. even just ponder over
0: yes it is yeah kind of depressing but (laughs) and this was
1: the light movie we picked
0: (laughs) (laughs) it has a sad ending but it's like donnie's happy yeah, in the end, right? he accepts he's, it. he's he's He accepts it. And I think it was also just because he was obviously tormented by it. He It was a release for him.
1: And he finds meaning in the fact that his death means that Gretchen will live. Right. If Gretchen hadn't been a part of that um, tangent universe, then he wouldn't have felt the way he felt and he wouldn't have done the things that he did.
0: Yeah.
1: It's because of love. Love conquers all. Right. That's a very interesting theme. I like that. It is.
0: And he's a, he's a noble character. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So, ultimately, I mean, are we coming down to the end here? I think Any so. final thoughts?
1: I definitely thoughts? recommend it,
0: that's for sure. I'd I mean, one of our favorite it. movies. It uh, really is.
1: It's just classic and even though it didn't make up I think it made up less than a fifth of its budget in the first year, but it is definitely made up um in leaps and bounds in the, the like, you know, like yeah. decades after. Uh, it was actually re-released in 2017 at theaters. And it was, was it? Yeah, I think it made I can't remember I think it was like maybe 16, 17 million in theaters well, at the box office again so yeah
0: well it's a cool, classic awesome yeah. movie um there's, there's so much more to unpack obviously but we don't want to just no. keep this dragon we'll on for forever we'll just jump on the forum um just, yeah so you know. uh,
1: If you have anything that you really, like that we didn't touch on or that you have your own take on that we did touch on, please just like, we'll, we'll set up a little chat in the forum and get that going. And anyone who wants to jump in, feel free.
0: Yeah. Because I can, I can picture some very serious time travel discussions. Oh, definitely.
1: uh, For uh, sure. Coming our
0: way. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) feel free to get that started. uh, Yeah. And uh, do we know what we're, what we're doing next week? We've had some great uh, submissions. Well, we're
1: still kind of trying to finalize. There was a few really cool suggestions. Like there was that one, The Void. The
0: Void. That's yep.
1: really cool
0: um the descent which you don't want to watch <gasps> because it scares the crap the of you.
1: ruins that would be a cool The interview. ruins
0: could be neat too
1: um there's a few more i can't think of them off so
0: those are three potentials that are coming at you next week but we'll, we'll we'll let you guys know so you have a chance to uh to go and watch them so you can uh we'll put us up a poll friday.
1: on our facebook group
0: yeah yeah see what you guys are see what, what you guys are into yeah exactly anyway thank you so much for uh for listening to this latest film friday um hit us up into the portal mailbox at gmail.com or if you uh want to uh yeah interact live come uh, hit us up on facebook on the forum or mm-hmm. on twitter at into the portal one and on instagram at into the portal podcast mm-hmm. and uh, as uh, always we will see you in a couple of days